Nathan Foster here, and welcome to the Renovare Weekly Podcast. This week, I'm bringing back Professor Paul Patton, and Paul teaches in the Communications Department at Spring Arbor University. He's a former pastor, an actor, a playwright, and an author. This week, Paul is talking with us a little bit about film and how this relates and ties into our spiritual life. And then he begins to share with us a little bit about his practice of memorizing. Probably more than anyone I know, Paul has developed this incredibly robust practice of memorizing uh, scripture and quotes and passages. Thanks for listening, and I uh, hope you enjoy. How you doing, Paul? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, Nathan. Thank you. <laughs> so so glad to get to do this again. Yes, 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 exactly. Hey, uh, I heard a quote by you once that has stuck in my head, yes. and that was that acting is the greatest form of empathy. What I would say um, is this, that actors have the opportunity to identify with the... Um, the difficulties and, and, and the, the barriers inherent in a protagonist or their character's journey. Okay. And as they're identifying with that character and their tensions and trying to understand characterization, what happens as a natural byproduct ideally is that their empathetic capacity is deepened and increased. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, mm-hmm. um, uh, the advantage of somebody who understands uh, 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 the gift of our empathetic capacity and an ability to identify with um, the the difficulties and sufferings of others, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that gives them a leg up in being Mm -hmm. able to represent the passions, the needs, the difficulties, Mm -hmm, the barriers, mm -hmm. the reversals, the anguish of that call. Uh, of that character. No question in my view. In my view, by the way, as we understand uh, from Confessions, Augustine's uh, descriptions of some of the plays that he wished he hadn't seen and and Uh how he Uh kind of denigrates, uh, despite all of his brilliance, you know, uh, uh, the the whole notion of thinking about victitious characters and, and, and weeping as they weep. Uh, where he's not doing this with real people. My response to Augustine, for all I've learned and all we <laughs> know and all that we are indebted as that great doctor, to that great doctor of the church, is that listen, we should also consider that the fact that you were weeping, uh, the fact that that it did affect you and 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 somehow trigger something empathetically in you, mm-hmm. is something mm-hmm. that is wondrous and good. Mm -hmm. Um, As Abraham Joshua Heschel says, it's empathy more than any other human expression, which is the key to growth in what he describes as piety, what we would describe as growth in spiritual maturity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Empathy. Say that quote one more time. That empathy more than any other human activity is the key to growth in piety. Interesting, interesting. Do you do you think it's interesting cuz you know our culture has radically changed in the way we gather and collect information. Sure. And there there is a certain bias that we have to written books um, which is good in a sense cuz books are helpful we can work slowly with them we can interact with them. Mm-hmm. But one of the greatest forms of teaching to me it seems today is film. Yeah, sure. Would you agree? Well, well, yeah, no, no question. Um, 
for instance, one thing is practice uh, um, uh, the art of identifying a narrative structure, uh, which, by the way, is is argued as, in my view, a gift of God, because narrative structure seems to be pretty much the same through the centuries, different continents. It's about a it's about a protagonist on a journey towards the promised land, and that mm-hmm. second act mm-hmm. of that story is all of the barriers, uh, all of the reversals, all of the conflicts that get in her or his way, mm-hmm. and that that's that's what creates story. So you know, without conflict, there's no story. Without need, there's no character. And films are profoundly accessible to us mm-hmm. more than ever before, mm-hmm. and being able to lead a class through even a scene so that they can uh, they, they can learn how more effectively to engage and and watch uh, the byproducts of, uh, of, of of some truth uh, affirmed or denied mm-hmm. oh yeah it's, it's a it's a great uh, it's a wonderful tool sure redemptive qualities of films yeah exactly exactly um, all films uh, any narrative artifact, and probably narrative any, artifact, and yes. probably any painting, any artifact will give hints, uh, uh, not in, in in a consummate way, not completely, but they will give hints to the artist's um, uh, notions about what it means, what what's what's the nature of reality, mm-hmm. what's the nature of humanity. You know, where are we? In other words, what's the nature of reality? Who are we? What does it mean to be human? Mm-hmm. And then they'll generally give hints about what's the problem and what's the solution. Mm-hmm. Obviously not all. Mm-hmm. But even photographs are invitations to look at one nanosecond of history on one particular artifact Mm-hmm. All of those hints, but films especially, play certainly, anything with a beginning, middle, and an end that has, you know, uh, some opportunity to, uh, time to absorb, they give us opportunities to always ask our class, what is this, uh, uh, what is this playwright, what is this film writer, what is the director, what is even the editor mm-hmm. helping us understand about where we are? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who we are as humans? What's the problem? What's the solution? And tie that in. Where does that, where is the deeper spiritual longings of humans fit into that picture? Well, uh, uh, um, my students, I, I remind them all the time that we are storytellers and are suckers for great stories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And even not so great stories because they're so accessible. Part of which is because we're made by a storytelling God, right? Mm-hmm. And and that is rooted <laughs> ontologically, theologically, in the simple fact that he knows how to keep our attention. He knows that we are all inherently prone to be distracted. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's like we're, we're walking down a, a, a carnival a circus tent with, uh, with sideshow barkers always yelling at us to come and see you know, this freak show or that. Mm-hmm. But if we have a sense as to where we're heading, you know, uh, we can transcend all of those distractions. But um, because we're so in, uh, inherently distractible, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of the great things <laughs> about being human, human is that good stories mm-hmm, can mm-hmm. attract our attention, keep us attentive, 
keep us wanting to turn the page, or keep us wanting to watch, and, and there's a payoff with that uh, 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 storytelling uh, scene called climax, mm-hmm. uh, climactic scene. Uh, uh, we're, we're, we, we love stories. We're suckers for good stories because we're made by a storytelling God who knows also how to tell the greatest story mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. to keep us attentive mm-hmm. uh, as we're unfolding that in story. I even tell my students that every role they play, every role that they play is inherently narrative mm-hmm. and that they are inherently in the second act of that play. Mm-hmm. The story mm-hmm. begins... Uh, uh, then uh, that's you know the 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 the, the protagonist begins the journey. Um, he's heading towards the promised land. All kinds of problems, wondering, causing us to wonder if they're going to make it. And then they cross the Jordan. Mm-hmm. This is true of every role that we play, whether it's an undergraduate student, whether it's a filmmaker trying to struggle with his new film, mm-hmm. whether it's a marriage, whether it's a life beginning, mm-hmm. middle, and end. Mm-hmm. Will we? The major dramatic question is always brought up at the beginning of the journey is, will they succeed mm-hmm. in getting to mm-hmm. the promised land? It's interesting. Are you familiar with Joseph Campbell's uh, work, The uh, Hero of Many Faces? Okay, I yeah, yes, a, I am, but not as familiar as I should be. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I'm, I don't know it well, but what I, what I caught from it was this idea that there's really one story, the hero mythology and the conflict, you know, the hero goes out, there's the wound, yes. and, you know, does he or she come back to overcome? Yes. And, then, and then in their woundings, they find, you know, a way to resolve. Exactly. The, exactly. A- a- absolutely. What, what's so fascinating to me about that, and I don't know that, that Campbell does this in his work because I didn't finish the book, but um, to me there's, the, that, there's a Jesus narrative of redemption and overcoming and struggle, and and I just wonder if through this template of story that seems to be transcend culture it, and in my view, history, no question, yeah, is is the Jesus, you know, narrative so ingrained in yeah. creation, corruption, restoration? Is that not the meta narrative? Uh, and as you're saying, uh, the fact that a protagonist. Uh, 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 walking towards his or her promised land. And again, when I talk about promised land, just as Martin Luther King did, he knew the three-act structure of, of release from Egypt, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wandering in the wilderness, Act 2. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Act 3, the crossing of the Jordan, this, this, this baptism of a nation into the new promised land. And, and, and that's how narrative is structured, three-act structure, mm-hmm. beginning, wandering, climatic struggle crossing the Jordan now into the Mm, promised land. mm, Uh, mm. And I think that what happens with all protagonists uh, in good stories is the second act struggles, the barriers, uh, the reversals, the wounds, the bloodshed, if you will, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, uh, will end up profoundly refining the protagonist. Even if they don't get to the promised land, mm-hmm. they are different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even as they discover maybe about their Achilles heel, to mm-hmm. use that mm-hmm. term, right, that that wounds them, mm-hmm. that kills them, but somehow there is redemption through it. New life what, is born exactly, out of the death. Exactly, of exactly, exactly. Yeah. No, so, yes. That's beautiful. It, it, it makes it fun in a way for me when I look at than Hollywood and, and seeing that this, 
there's this impulse to continue to tell this this story of struggle and redemption. Exactly, exactly. And 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 what keeps that story a page turner, if you will? And I tell my uh, script writing students that the two sins of the writer, uh, the two two sins of the screenwriter or the playwright, is to bore or to confuse. You know, <laughs> that second act is: Are they going to make it? Mm-hmm. Are they going to be able to transcend these difficulties? Mm-hmm. And it's always a, a, a cry and a hope for uh, a, a perseverance. Mm-hmm. Persevere, mm-hmm. persevere, persevere. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's something that mm-hmm. we hear all the time in. in, in Amongst the scriptural witnesses, mm-hmm. can I shift gears? Sure, sure. Because I'm, gears, I'm, yeah. I'm, I want to mine the gold of your experience and knowledge. You have a practice of memorizing, sure. Yeah, and like no one I know, um, can you share with us a little bit about how you've cultivated that through the years? Sure, sure. Will. Um, um, well, what happened is uh, I was I was uh, paid as a preacher to prepare sermons for okay. 15 years. This would have been like from 1978 to 93 at Trinity Church in Detroit. I was a youth pastor, an associate pastor, and, and one of the, uh, the the lead teaching pastors the last few years. And by the way, I've listened to some of those sermons, and I'm saying, oh, what did I put my <laughs> congregation through back 20 years ago? But when I left to do some training as an actor and a director, I said, look, it, I'm no longer getting paid for pre- preparing sermons, the time it takes to prepare those sermons. Yep. And I know myself, I'll probably not be as involved in the text as I need to be. But now I'm training as an actor, and actors have to be able to memorize text. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would say that uh, that actors are one of the slivers of civilization that still believe that anything is really worth memorizing. Okay. <laughs> but I said, okay, what I'm going to do then is I'm going to memorize a verse a day. And that was back in 90, 1993, when I was 40 years old, by the Way. And I started even at forty, started to sense that I'm losing a little bit of my short-term memory. Mm-hmm. There's you know some memory mm-hmm. issues, and mm-hmm. so I said, okay, let me do an experiment. Let me be taking the patriarch seriously, who said, write these things on the tablet of your heart, which mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. W- was hoping I was right at the time, and saying mm-hmm. that's probably a metaphor for memorizing it, at least being able to retrieve that truth, mm-hmm. that that uh, that word uh, on command as circumstances would invite me to redeem it. So that started in 93. Okay. And what happens, and it's just the way we're made, it's the, the wonderful, the beautiful way that we're made by God, Right is that the more you do this, mm-hmm. the more you can do this. Mm-hmm. Muscle so, expands. Exactly, huh? exactly, exactly, exactly. And so I remembered, uh, I was living in Virginia at the time, uh, doing jogging, and my jogging is you know slower than a fast-paced walk, but I was doing jogging, <laughs> trying to retrieve the portions of First Peter that I was trying to memorize, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I had preached through the book of First Peter. I knew basically the content, spent uh, a lot of time in commentary, but I had never found that the experience of retrieving this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. quoting it aloud, even as I was jogging, I remember one time having to stop and sit on a curb mm-hmm. in my head in my hands going, who am I becoming? 
who am I? It had never mm-hmm. hit me like mm-hmm. being able to retrieve it just extemporaneously, mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. that did. And so that further fueled my desire to what I call steward the stirrings of the soul. And these were verses that were not steward the yeah, stirring. stirrings of the yes. soul. Okay. These were verses that were not assigned to me necessarily. Okay. They were verses that I, from reading of the scripture or hearing a sermon or talking to a brother like Nathan Foster and hearing something that is, oh, I like that. That's a quote or that's a text that I want to arrest. Then I would put it in the back <laughs> of my journal okay. uh, to memorize one at a time. And my pace was, and it takes people a little while to discover their pace. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go too fast, but you don't want to go, you don't want to be too easy on yourself. Mm-hmm. Most people can learn at least a phrase of something that they think is important a week mm-hmm. and then review, mm-hmm. spend the time mm-hmm. reviewing it. Mm-hmm. But I would put it in the back of my journal to be learned one verse at a, at a time. So you, you'd hear something, a, a quote or yes. something from a or, book or, from, or a scripture. Or from something from scriptures and, and one at a time I would memorize. And now the pattern is steward. at least one sentence of the stirrings of my soul and the way you steward it is being able to, in my view, and again, my experience as an actor for many years, I, I, even in, 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 as a 40-year-old, I uh-huh. had exercised that portion of the brain more than most, only because, you know, you have to memorize text. You have, mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. you have to do that as an actor. But I found myself saying that uh, what happens uh, is, um, uh, like in, in, in the scriptures, you see the examples of this, where Christ is in the wilderness, and Satan uh, uh, tempts him, knowing who he is, right? Mm-hmm. And he says, I know you're hungry. I know your circumstances. I know who you are. Uh, turn this um, rock into bread. I know you can do it. And what does Jesus do? Uh, uh, whatever that text is. I'm talking, you know, <laughs> you know. And of course, as, as informally trained as a rabbi, um, uh, he would have known uh, uh, the, the Mosaic Law. And he was able to retrieve that on command, mm. Deuteronomy 8.3. And I found that inspiring. And I found it to be... Uh, what was happening in many ways to my life is that I was able to retrieve, not, also, not, not always necessarily saying them aloud, but, but retrieving mm-hmm. them for my mind to be able to, to put a grid on a particular circumstance and try to determine extemporaneously what's my responsibility as an image bearer of God. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. You, yeah, another example of this stewarding the stirrings of the soul. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here's uh, Peter. Uh, Man, that's a good book title yeah. right there. Stewarding the Stewards. Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> well, you know, here's Peter, um, uh, the fisherman, with our Savior for three years. He's gone through this, this, this uh, incredible agony of, uh, of, of betraying right. his, his, his master, betraying his rabbi. And he gets through that. He, he's resurrected in many ways, uh, prompted by the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, what is it at, the, at Pentecost? The explosion in the upper room, they, the apostles run out, those 120 people run out and see that a th- thousands and thousands of people have gathered trying to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. What does Peter do? He can extemporaneously, without looking at three by five cards, without PowerPoint, he can extemporaneously in a sermon that changed the world and, and helped launch church history, shall we say, mm-hmm. he, could, he could draw on extemporaneously portions of Joel 2. Portions of Psalm six sixteen, portions of one ten, mm-hmm. extemporaneously mm-hmm. in an eight minute sermon that rocked the house. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, <laughs> what what might that look like in the twenty first century? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. stewarding stirrings of the soul 
exercising this portion of the brain that can be the atrophy can be reversed. Mm -hmm. And again, uh, Mm -hmm. part of it I say to my students in trying to inspire them this way is that oftentimes we tell ourselves in the 21st century, with all these techno-urban wonders, I don't have to memorize anything, Mm -hmm. including my phone number. I can find it. Because I can find it. Um, But it's generally five seconds too late when after you need it. And, sure. and, and a lot of times I can find it, I can look it up. A lot of times that's just a manifestation, in my view, of the arrogance of literacy. Uh, the arrogance of literacy. Yes, I don't yes. need to ingest these words. I, yeah, exactly. I don't need to be able to go on a, uh, on a solitude walk and just retrieve the words of Christ, the words of Paul, uh, the words of Abraham, uh, Joshua Heschel, the, my, my favorite uh, you know, stories and lines from... Nathan Foster's material. I mean, come on. I mean, that's sure. that's literally what should be happening. Because I ask my students, you take a you take a class from me or anyone, an introductory class especially, and three months later, what do you remember? Mm. E. Stanley mm. Jones said, "It's the habit of the mind that that which is not articulated simply dies." Mm. Who was E. Stanley Jones? Of course, that great friend of of uh, Mahatma Gandhi, the, mm. the Methodist missionary. Mm. Whatever, uh, it's the habit of the mind that that which is not articulated simply dies mm, that's good you know what i what i thank you for sharing your, oh, your story that's so helpful um what i what i love about watching you work with text um is that i mean i mean we know people who will recite chapter verse things as a way to uh, bolster themselves or to look you know smarter or, or like such but i i just don't see that with you when you pull a text out um you delight in it oh and it 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 just i can i can see how much it means to you and how excited you are to kind of share that with thank you thank you by by the way uh delighting the psalmist says some of the patriarchs said they delight in the word i can say only I'm 62. Only the last few words, and this is even after years of doing the memorization and the review work that I do every morning. Uh-huh. Can I say, I love this stuff? <laughs> oh, oh! And so in the morning, uh, of, after an hour and a half of, of, of scripture reflection and re- reviewing the text um, uh, and the quotes that I especially want to be re- renewing, you know, mm-hmm. and I'll say mm-hmm. them at least for every day for a month. But I'll say, oh, I got to go on and do other work. Oh, I, I, you know, and I love my work. But I just so adore that hour and a half of the morning of, mm. of, of memorizing something, at least a sentence, and then also reviewing. And I have to break it up because you can't, you, you know, after 23 years, you can't, 22 years, you can't review everything that you've in a day. There's not enough time. But you can break it up and have cycles of what you're reviewing. And so every morning, an hour and a half before I do anything else, basically, except make coffee, uh, is, wow. is just reviewing the texts and the quotes and the stories that I adore. <laughs> and then after an hour and a half, I mean, you're, 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 you're drenched. You're, uh, you're, you're delighted. You're sweating with joy and delight. <laughs> and it's like the tennis player who delights to play tennis, the baseball player who delights to be on the diamond, delights being on the diamond. We delight in what we do regularly, mm. what, we, what we find our uh, habits even that become necessities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's delight. Yeah. And so I can only say that for the last few years, that it has now truly 
been a delight. Well, I love what I love about that is that, and I see this in students where they, you know, well, I need to do this, and yes. you know, I'm a good Christian, so I need to memorize yes, scripture yes, and yes. this and that. But to be invited into that, to where now, Paul, go a week without your hour and a half practice yeah. would be painful oh, for you. It is. I, you know, yes. Um, uh, yes, and in fact, part of this I say to my students, I say to myself daily, what's worth remembering? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because part of our tradition and our faith, as exemplified by the patriarchs, by the prophets, by the apostles, by our Lord, of course, by the martyrs, by the fathers and mothers of the church, is remembering what we should remember and forgetting mm-hmm. what we should forget. Because we have a tendency <laughs> to do the opposite. We have a tendency to remember what we should forget and, rem- and forget what we should remember. It's good. It, and you would say then to someone who wants to begin the practice of memor- memorizing text, you, you go throughout your day, something jumps at you. Yeah. Yeah, let me, let, me, let me answer that by telling a story. I was mm-hmm. once uh, talking to, uh, I had a weekend uh, retreat with some free Methodist pastors, wonderful women and men. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, when was the last time you were inspired? Mm-hmm. And, and again, this is a group, as is the pastoral, you know, tip, typical pastoral uh, uh, habit of, you know, asking a leading question, mm-hmm. right? Sure. A question that they they've been thinking about the answer for a long time. So their the shoe is you know on the other foot now, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, when's the last time you were inspired? Silence, silence, silence in the room. Silence. Said that. Yeah, yeah. Nobody said anything. These are people that are preparing sermons all the time. You got to know that they're <laughs> get inspired by the text of scripture and by their encounters all the time. Nothing. And I'm saying, okay, I know what this is. It's the shoes on the other foot, and I'm not. This is not a trick question. Uh, when was the last time you were inspired? Uh, inspired? Silence, and so I, I said, "Okay, this is the first time I'd asked that question." Okay. So I said, "Okay, let me back off because I want to trap you. I know you get inspired; things move you." Yes. But here's what, and I'll give you my point. I said, "Heschel, Abraham Joshua Heschel, one of my heroes, says inspiration passes. Having been inspired, never passes." In other words, mm-hmm. if that inspirational encounter, whether it was a story, a statistic, whether it was a text of scripture, a text from uh, uh, the Divine Comedy, whatever, a text from your your favorite film, if you can retrieve that from your memory bank mm-hmm. as circumstances. Mm-hmm circumstances invite you to redeem it, then that memory is an oasis on command. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so then I, that's when I probably started thinking about it as stewarding stirrings of the soul mm-hmm. and as, as something worth considering in the daily journal habits What's worth remembering mm-hmm. from my day today? Mm-hmm. Can I give you an example? No, oh, please. As, as a statistic, mm-hmm. uh, I always say to my students that history is always this great invitation to find context and inspiration. Okay. Right? Right? Okay. Yep. So, for instance, looking at the Battle of the Bulge mm-hmm. in World War II, uh, that was the focus of the movie Patton and Bridge Too Far and all of that. Uh, being able to remind my students that uh, late f- 1944, early 1945, the Battle of the Bulge, okay, I say to my students, you're going through a battle. 
Mm. We all are. Mm -hmm. But let's contextualize. The Battle of the Bulge, 19,000 U.S. soldiers lost their lives in a matter of weeks, right? Right. 23,000 were missing. 47,500 were injured. Wow. Okay. This is not to get you in the habit of, of being... Uh, neurotic and saying, I don't have a conflict. It's there. You have battles that you have to persevere through, but let's contextualize. And this startling statistic from the Battle of the Bulge about the amount of casualty Mm. gives us context. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm in a battle, but it's not the Battle Mm. of the Bulge. Mm -hmm. I'm hungry, but I'm not in Sudan. Mm -hmm. I don't particularly like my housing but I'm not homeless, say, that kind of thing. So that would be, uh, uh, and I'm always looking for stories, even statistics, that I can, that startle me and give me context. Uh And then you live with them and you 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 memorize them. And you live with them. Uh, Yes, yes, yes. And then, for instance, I tell... uh, you know, history students, so you're going to study American history. You can't get out of there without being able to know the presidents in order, when they served, and at least one thing that was a part of their administration. You can do that one little inch at a time. Mm-hmm. And you got, but as I say to my students, you got to learn your own pacing. Mm-hmm. And, well, and, and we're so, learning these things not to sound smart. Impress no. people. This is this is the oasis. This is the oasis. It is it is it is the building of sacred interiority. It's a place to reside. It's a place to be reminded that we are in the presence of God. We are made in the Im- image of God. It's a it's it's a reminder that we are not just having to be the hapless victims of mm. the, the 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 winds uh, of not just every competing doctrine, but mm-hmm. every competing mm-hmm. uh, entertainment impulse. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, I, I have a quick story that ties into to sure. what you're saying. Um, and, and the Battle of the Bulge, right? So sure. we're all going through battles with the... I had a um, <clears throat> AA sponsor once I was meeting with, and I was recounting how horrible my life was and how, you know, I'm fighting with my wife and, yeah. you know, this and this and that. And, and I was going through all this and, and uh, he looked at me very solemnly and he goes, nuclear proliferation. <laughs> I'm sorry, what, 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 what do you mean? Nuclear, nuclear proliferation. Now there is a real issue. <laughs> <laughs> and it just floored yes, me that you know yes, not that our yes. issues aren't important but it, you know and then he went on to this kind of you realize there are people today debating the fate of the world yes, you know and, yes, and yes. Uh, okay all right the, the, there are important things out there and, and mine are not so well, at least <laughs> yeah the habit it's a great story Nathan the habit of contextualizing the this, habit of contact. That's, it is that's just it. so huge. Oh, Paul, this is so wonderful. Uh, Thank you so oh, much. Oh, my privilege. For, what an honor. What yeah. an honor to be here, brother. Oh, it, it means a lot to me. So we'll, we'll, we'll do it again sometime. Sounds huh? great. Sounds okay, great. Thanks, Sounds Paul. great. Blessings. Blessings.